Hey, Pioneers, and welcome to episode number 284. On today's episode, I'm going to be talking about the best homemade gifts that people actually want to receive. And of course, that's going to be a little bit subjective, but I'm going to be sharing with you the favorite homemade gifts that we like to make and everybody asks for again. So I always feel like you know it's a good homemade gift if somebody asks for it again or is like, hey, remember when you made that for me last year? Can I get more of that? Especially if it's like not even coming up close to Christmas again, that they've used it and went through it within a few months, depending on what the gift is and how fast if it's a one time use, which we'll get into that more in the details here of the episode. But I always feel like when someone comes back to me and says, oh, I would either love to get the recipe for this or can I get more of this from you when you gave it to them as a gift? Makes you feel really good knowing that you kind of nailed it and it's something that they actually want if they're coming back to you and saying, hey, I need more of this. So that, my friends, is what we are going to be talking about today. I'm your host, Melissa K. Norris, a fifth generation homesteader who got back to my roots of using simple, modern homesteading for a healthier and more self-sufficient life after a cancer scare in my late 20s. This is the place for you, my friend, if you've sometimes wondered if you weren't born 100 years too late, if you've always thought that you and Laura Ingalls would be best friends, and if you think that every home and kitchen would be better if they were filled with mason jars and cast iron, and those things were used daily with homegrown and homemade food. If that is you, then welcome home and welcome to this amazing community of modern pioneers. Now, when it comes to gift giving, we definitely do a combination of homemade and store-bought here on the homestead. Now, if you missed episode 281, which was the homestead gift giving guide, you're going to definitely want to go back and check that one out. And that one has just a couple of homemade gifts. Actually, I think it just has one homemade gift if I'm getting technical, and that is also going to be on today's list as well. But that has a bunch of ideas. And what I usually like to do is a homemade gift. And oftentimes I will pair that homemade gift with a store-bought item. So I'll kind of gift them together. Or I'll do a couple of different homemade gifts and kind of make up like a little bit of a bundle and give that to people. So it kind of depends on on the person and how much I'm giving them and etc. So if you need some ideas of some store-bought things to pair with some of your homemade things, you're definitely going to want to go and check out episode number 281. But for today's episode, let's dive into some of the best homemade Christmas gifts people actually want to get. Some of the things I like to do when I'm looking at making homemade gifts is things that I can do in an assembly line type of style and or I can make a large batch of something that's going to make up a lot of individual gifts. So I do also like to do very individualized gifts that are homemade that can sometimes take a lot more time. But I have found if I can do up a large batch, I really like to do that. That's something that I can incorporate. My daughter will help with my son. He, he will help with homemade gifts, but I have to say that my daughter seems to enjoy it a whole lot more. I think gift giving is definitely my daughter's love language. So she really gets excited about helping out with things and loves to do crafty things and that type of stuff. And she's at the age now, she's a preteen. Did you hear me stumble over saying that? She's a preteen now. So I actually, her help is 
is actually helpful. <laughs> that sounds bad, but you know, if you've ever had toddlers or really young children, you're teaching them and you know that, but sometimes teaching them isn't really that helpful <laughs> to you and in getting things done efficiently and speedily, but you want to take that time and have them involved in the process. But she's actually at the age where she's actually quite helpful, which is really nice. So some of the things that we like to do up are lotion bars. Now, lotion bars are fabulous because these are an item that I can give to everybody on my list, both the guys and the girls, the young and the old. And lotion bars it's so funny. I made lotion bars for the ladies in our home Bible study group. And I, I've made it for multiple people and, and given them to family members, etc. too. But I made up a bunch. And this is where, see how versatile they are. They can go to family members and they can go if you're like a lot of times when you work, especially in retail, when I worked at the pharmacy, which is kind of retail and medical at the same time, it's a little bit of both. But we would have people that would come in and, and will give gifts to us, which was super, super sweet. We always really appreciated people that did that. But I, in turn, realized like how special that was, because if any of you have worked in retail around the holidays, oh, my goodness, you know that you see the best and the worst in people. And what I mean by that is at the holiday times, Unfortunately, if you work in retail, you people are more stressed around the holidays and this this year specifically around COVID and with pandemic, I'm sure it's worse than normal. But when you work in retail, people can be really really mean. And you know that they're stressed out and you try not to take it personally, but I am telling you, it is one of the hardest things I've ever done is working in retail around the holidays because there are some very unkind people. So when we had customers and or patients that would come into the pharmacy and bring us a gift, and oftentimes it was homemade and they were lovely. I'll tell you what, some of my best holiday recipes have come from customers bringing us in homemade baked goodies. And it was so good. I'm like, can I please have your recipe? I need to make this myself. But that made it so special because you are dealing with people who are so ornery. And so when we had customers that would come in and give us a gift, it was so appreciated and kind of brought it sounds kind of silly to say this, but it kind of brings back your faith in humanity when you have someone do something so kind for you after you had so many people be mean to you. And, and maybe it was just my, I don't know, maybe it was just my experience. But if you've worked in retail, I have a good feeling that you probably have dealt with this too. So the whole reason I'm telling the tangent of that story is because lotion bars are a great thing to be able to give to people who are in service and retail that you want to give just a small token of something to. This could be maybe the people at your bank, definitely the people in the post office. If you use the post office very much, um, hello, delivery drivers, uh, FedEx, UPS, um, you know, just anybody in those types of things, receptionist. I know now, at least in my state, my kids aren't in public school right now because we're not allowed to have public school in person. But it used to be things that I would give to the receptionist, um, the ladies in the office, so diff those types of things. And of course, my in-laws and as I just shared, ladies in my Bible study group. So the lotion bars are fabulous especially in wintertime, which is when we're giving our Christmas gifts, because they are so soothing to the skin. One of the ladies in my Bible study group had really, really dry skin, and her daughter actually suffered from eczema. Now, I'm not saying that if you have eczema or somebody has a skin condition and you make them a lotion bar, that it's going to cure them. I'm not making any medical claims or any of that kind of stuff, but she 
her eczema would get very, very bad in the winter months because it was so dry and it would flare up and she had some different allergies and had to be really careful what she used on her skin. But because the lotion bars are just three basic ingredients and I did add some lavender essential oil to mine and lavender essential oil can can be very healing to the skin. And I also use some herbal infused oils. I made homemade peppermint infused oil. So infused herbal oils are different than essential oils. Now, I know a lot of you know that, but some people don't, especially if you're newer to herbalism or newer to making more natural things like that. They're uh, I have a lot of people ask me what's the difference between an herbal oil and an essential oil and it's a very valid question so just real briefly so an infused herbal oil is where you are taking you should always use dried plant matter when you are infusing oil you don't ever want to use fresh you're going to take your dried plant matter so in this instance it's dried peppermint leaves um, i also will do uh, can, can uh, calendula dried blossoms and make uh, infused oil out of that. Calendula is very healing, very, very good for the skin. Um, and then I'll also do lavender buds from my lavender plants and I'll dry those out and then I'll infuse those in oil and I'll use those in homemade soap and lotion bars and different whipped salves and, and creams and all different kinds of fun things. And then I also like to use essential oils, though, because when you're doing an herbal infused oil, you are infusing that oil with the medicinal properties of said plant. So you're extracting them out into the oil and then you're straining out the herbs. And so then you just have this infused oil. So you have medicinal properties in there. And if you're doing something like calendula, it will actually color. Calendula is also something that's used as a natural food dye as well, usually in cheese making, uh, but it will also color the oil. So it will add some type of color depending on the herb, not all. However, it does not really give that much of a scent. So essential oils, of course, are very, very concentrated and they're very high in scent. So essential oils are, as I said, much, much more concentrated than an herbal infused oil. And they do still have the herbal properties in them, but essential oils are a lot stronger. They're a lot more concentrated. And I like to use a combination of both when I'm making things like lotion bars so that you do have the scent as well as the medicinal properties of the essential oil. However, if you're using the essential oils in your lotion bars or anything topically, you do need to make sure that you're following a proper dilution rate, which when we're making lotion bars, we are infusing, or we are putting those into a combination of different oils. So it's already got a carrier oil in there, but you do still need to make sure that you're pro following a proper dilution rate of percentage of essential oil to the total volume of the oils that you're making for your batch. Now I have probably should have prefaced this because if you're like in your head trying to keep track of all of this, I have one, a blog post that is going to accompany this episode. So you can go to melissaknorris.com forward slash 284 because this is episode number 284 melissaknorris.com forward slash 284. And I will have links to all of these different items for the homemade Christmas gifts. And the best part is, is that link will actually take you to a recipe and a tutorial on how to make them. So my lotion bars can be made with just three basic ingredients, which is going to be an oil, usually olive oil. It's going to be beeswax. And then it can either be shea butter, some type of butter. So it could be shea butter. It could be... Um, cocoa butter, any of the different butters, and you melt them down on a double boiler, add in anything that you want to be adding in as far as essential oil wise goes. And you can do them unscented as well. 
and then you pour them into a mold. They harden up and they are a fabulous hard lotion bar for the skin. Uh, you can also even use them as lip balm. Like I'll use them. They're like all over like hands, lip balm, really good on the elbows, especially if you get dry elbows in the wintertime or like the heels of your feet. They're just a phenomenal lotion bar. So those make a great gift. And as I was saying, I gave them to a lady in my Bible study and she came back just like a month later. I don't even know if it was February yet. And she said, this is the only thing that has brought my daughter relief this whole winter. We've already went through the whole bar you gave us. Can I get more from you? And I was like, oh, sure. And so I also gave her the tutorial because her daughter was old enough. She was a teenager at that time that she could definitely make them. They're very easy to make just those basic ingredients. And she learned how to make them herself so that she could have them. So it was actually a really great way to go. But those are something that I always have on hand and are one of my absolute favorites. Now, up next on the list of homemades is going to be, I love homemade soap. Now, homemade soap, however, don't be intimidated by homemade soap. Homemade soap was one of the last things that I learned how to make on my very own. I had went and made homemade. My mom had made homemade soap actually for a number of years. It was after I moved out because I have, <laughs> I'm going to be 40 on my birthday this year. So I've been out of the house for quite a while, got married at 18, but my mom started making homemade soap. And so I love to get homemade soap from my mother because homemade soap is when you are using a recipe or making homemade soap correctly, I should say that you understand the lye ratio to the amount of oils and fats that you're using. And I like to do super fatted recipes that have extra fat there. So after it goes through the saponification process, which means the lye and the water and the fats work together and they go through what's called saponification, which actually is what gives you soap. So you have to have, you cannot have soap without lye. There's this weird myth or misconception that you can make soap without lye. No, you can't, or it's not soap. You have to have lye. However, I have a post on Homemade King Soap Guide for Beginners that goes through this, and I'll link to that. Also has my favorite recipe for making homemade soap, but you have to have lye. Now, you can get melt and pour soap where the lye is no longer active. So what they've done is they've created a base where someone else has had it go through the saponification process, and then you can melt that down and add in anything that you would like to add into it. So maybe it's a little bit of extra fat. If you want to super fat it, it could be essential oils. You want it to be scented. It could be herbs. It could be some natural dyes. So you can make some really pretty artistic soap. And I've got resources on how to do, because I only use natural scents, essential oils. Sometimes I'll use spices. So I will create a swirled layered soap and I will use for a colorant as well as a scent cinnamon. And I'll use some ground cinnamon and it creates a wonderful scent that is released in the shower and it actually creates a really pretty pattern in the soap, etc. So again, at fatmoleskinners.com forward slash 284. We'll have links to all of this different stuff if you want to go and check it out. But homemade soap is a really fabulous thing to do. And as I said, you can do melt and pour variations that don't require you working with active lye, but it does still have lye in it. Or you, I like to do cold process. So I will do a lot of cold process, which does require a curing time. So it's something that you want to start earlier, or let me tell you, it has happened. I didn't start it early enough when I was doing it. 
because it needs to cure for about six weeks. So it's fully went through that saponification process and you don't have any um, active light in there. It's not too harsh for the skin. It also, when you're doing cold process soap, that curing process, there's that part of it that I just explained, but you also, it will harden up over time. So if you try to use it before it's fully cured, it can be a little bit soft. And so you want to make sure that it's fully cured, but I don't always get my soap making done six weeks before Christmas. Sometimes I don't get to it until even a couple of weeks before Christmas. Not to worry. All you do is you wrap it up and you put a note that says do not use until that da, da, da date. And you just will obviously calculate that out. So it's been a full six weeks since the day you made it uh, when you give it to somebody. So you can still give it to them even if you didn't get it made in time to fully finish curing. Just making sure that they know don't use it yet. So I love to do homemade soap because I feel like it is so superior to store-bought bar soap for the skin. When you're not getting synthetic fragrances, which just drive me crazy, the, I, the older I get, the more sensitive I am to synthetic fragrances. In fact, I am like a hound dog. I kid you not. My daughter will get, boy, this is turning into a post about, or a podcast episode about my daughter here but people will give my daughter uh, you know scented lotions and not the kind with the good ingredients in there but she really likes it and she's a preteen and I kind of have a fine balance where I do my best to make sure my kids aren't using stuff that I don't really like as far as ingredient wise but if someone has given her a really scented like lotion and she just loves it i'm not going to take it away from her like i explained to her why i don't buy them and why the majority of our products don't include that kind of stuff in it but you know i don't go so dogmatic that i'm actually going to take something away from her that was a gift from somebody that meant a lot to her and that she really enjoys just because it's one tube of something but i will say I can always smell when she uses it because it's and it's not even like it's a super high powered scented lotion. But I have become so sensitive that she will put it on and come out. And if she's first put it on, I'm like, oh, I'm like go back in your room until it's the scent until it's like it's gone away. It gives me a headache almost instantly. I don't I oh, I just can't stand. And I don't know if it's because before I made the switch and I used to use that stuff, like if you just don't notice it. And kind of like if you were an ex-smoker, if you ever smoked cigarettes, like the smell didn't bother you. But ex-smokers, like I'm not kidding you. Okay, you guys. Wow, I'm confessing stuff today. When I was in high school, I smoked cigarettes. So if you have children listening, I'm sorry, but it's true. I smoked cigarettes for a short period of time when I was in high school. Um, I guess I wanted to be cool, if I'm being honest. Like I was talking about this with my kids. I'm very open with my children, actually. Um I really don't know why I smoked. I I guess I just wanted to be cool. I don't really I fit in, honestly, just be accepted. And so, you know, I gave in to peer pressure. That's what it was. But I haven't smoked for a very, very long time. It's been decades. But let me tell you, and I know this is true because I have other uh, family members and other people who used to smoke and have quit. Hallelujah. Um, Ex-smokers are the worst. You don't notice the smell of smoke when you're a smoker. But oh my, after you have stopped you smell it everywhere and you are worse than someone who never smoked. You're like, oh, that is the most disgusting smell in the world. Like, get it away from me. I feel like that's how I am with synthetic fragrances. 
So sorry, I totally went off on a squirrel tangent there. But one of the reasons that I love the homemade soap is because it doesn't have those synthetic fragrances in there. It actually has oils in there that are really good for my skin. doesn't have petroleum-based, a lot of just different things that you will often find in store-bought soaps, which I go into more detail if you want to go and listen into that podcast episode and or read that blog post all about homemade soap making for beginners and also using natural colorants. Okay, one of my other favorite homemade gifts to make and give is lip balm. Now, regular lip balm is just fine. And you actually, if you just buy the lip balm tubes, I like the tubes because you can just, you know, roll them up and apply them. You don't have to use your finger because if you're out working with livestock or you're outside in the garden, especially in the wintertime, my lips will get very chapped and my hands are dirty. So, of course, I don't want to dip my finger into a pot of lip balm and then apply it with my finger. So that's why I do like those roll up tubes. But you can actually use the lotion bar recipe and pour it into tubes and use it as a lip balm if you want. It actually works great that way. But I am just girly enough. Sometimes I feel like an oxymoron as a homesteader and who I am. But I enjoy makeup. And I really like lip gloss. I never really found lipsticks until I started making my own and trying some organic brands that didn't bug my lips. But I always like a little bit of color. So I like to make homemade tinted lip balms. And these, of course, are I've given to the ladies on my list. Uh, but it's been really fun because my sister-in-law really adores the one color. And she's like, oh, can I get another one of those colors? So that's been really fun. But one of the things I like is I think I'm a little bit of a control freak when it comes to both the ingredients that I use, but also the color. So if I am going to be putting on makeup, I want it to be a color that is very complementary to my skin tone. That is the degree of brightness and darkness and all those other things that us, us girls who like to wear makeup like to look for. And so I love making homemade tinted lip balm because I can really control the shade of color and the bright, the darkness, the depth. That's the word I was think I was trying to go for on the color and I can really customize it. So for myself, obviously, if I'm making it for myself or if I'm making it for someone else, I can adjust those shades and I can use natural ingredients and different natural colorants in order to do so. And yes, I have a recipe and a blog post sharing how to make homemade tinted lip balm as well. I also have actually in I have a full homemade bath and body course. So you guys are I will put a link in there and you can go and check that out. And that I go into much more detail, actually have a complete color guide in that part of the course. It has making homemade soap. So the different learning how to make layered soaps and swirled soaps, colored soaps, my different soap recipes when you're doing cold process, homemade candles. So making homemade lard and beeswax candles in a jar also doing homemade lotion bars, of course, your different lip balms, how to create tinted lip balms and how to go for a darker color and customize it to you and all of my best resources for getting my colorants, um, making homemade whipped body butters. And I'm trying to think, I think there is something else in there as well. Um, but it's pretty much making your your homemade bath and beauty products. So you guys can go. I will have a link and you can check out that course. It is on sale right now, but it is the perfect thing to make up your Christmas gifts as well as gift for people who are wanting to learn how to make it. So we'll have that link in there. You can go and check that out. But if you are wanting someone to walk you through step by step, how to do it all with checklists and my recipes and troubleshooting, you definitely are going to want to get this. 
Now, some of my other favorite gifts, this should not be a surprise, is food. I am a foodie. I like to eat good. I want it to taste good. I want it to be good for my body. And I want it made with real food ingredients. Now, I know when it comes to dessert items, because we're going to, some of them are going to have sugar in them. And it's like, well, is sugar really good for your body? Oh, no, not really. I mean, we all know that. But sugar is not good for us. But I am not going to turn down homemade from scratch brownies in moderation. So I'm going to try not to eat the whole pan in one sitting, you know, and not have them all the time. But if I am going to have them, I want them to be made from scratch. So this is one of my favorite gifts to give is food gifts that people enjoy and really like to have. Now, if you if you listen to episode number 281 and watched my YouTube video, you heard me joke about fruitcake. There is actually one fruitcake that I like and thought I would give you guys a little bit of an update on that. When I worked in the pharmacy, we had a gentleman who would bring in homemade fruitcake every year. And it was actually, it's really good. He, he makes it up. I think he said he starts in like September, but it's soaked in alcohol and it's very flavorful. He has a lot of real fruits in there. So a lot of dried fruits and nut on top. It's actually really, really good. Like I eat the entire loaf. I like slice off a little piece at a time and make it last, <laughs> but I'll eat the entire fruitcake. I, I love it. It's, I look forward to it. And so I don't, I haven't worked at the pharmacy for almost three years now. And I recorded the video and I said, okay, well, fruitcake could be a worse gift unless you get this fruitcake. And I actually really like it, but I haven't gotten in a long time. I am not kidding you. Three days after I filmed that video, I don't even think it had released yet. There is a knock on my door and lo and behold, he had found my house and delivered to me one of his fruitcakes. And he's like, it needs to sit in the fridge for another couple of weeks and finish aging. I'm like, oh, thank you so much. I've totally already eaten like a quarter of it and it's only been a week, but that's fine. It, it will be aged. It's still really good right now. So I know a lot of people don't like regular, I don't know if regular fruitcake is probably not the right way to say it, but a traditional alcohol soaked fruitcake is actually very, very good, I think. So back to foodie gifts. <laughs> I like to give gifts that people will consume. I like consumables, which really all the other stuff I just listed beforehand, those are consumables. They're just topical. You're not eating them. But I love to give people gifts of food that they're going to want to eat. And one of the things I like to do is a brownie mix in a jar. One of the reasons I love a brownie mix in a jar is especially if you're giving it to somebody who doesn't cook a ton from scratch, um, you give them this recipe and yes, on my website, I have it up done for you. The recipe to actually put the brownie mix in the jar as well as very, very darling free printable recipe tags. So you print them out on cardstock. So it's a little bit, you know, stiffer paper. So it holds up well. And then you just punch a little hole in it, tie it on with some jute twine or some ribbon or something like that and attach it to the jar. And then it has the instructions on there for them of what to add to the jar and how to actually bake it. And one of the reasons I like to give that is because if someone is newer to baking, they probably have only, well, I shouldn't generalize. There's always exceptions to the rule. But a lot of people only buy brownie mixes. Like they don't realize or don't think about making it from scratch. Brownies are super easy to make from scratch. And so I like giving them the mix in a jar because then they see like, oh, this was like really easy to do. And 
these taste really good. And my hope is that they'll then ask for the recipe to make the mix up ahead of time in the jar. It's kind of like a bridge for people who are used to using convenience mixes. And when they see like, oh, you could just have this in a jar and it's all totally homemade. It's really easy to do. I feel like it's a really nice bridge to get them to the point where they just want to make it from scratch themselves. They don't need to have it made up ahead of time in a jar. They'll just grab the full recipe and away they go. But it tastes really phenomenal. Now, these are a fudgy brownie recipe. Um, I prefer, I like a really rich, fudgy, chewy brownie myself. I like regular homemade fudge too, but I really like a fudgy brownie recipe. So if you like a really good, rich chocolate brownie recipe, oh my friend, you need to go over and grab it. What's great about this is you can do it assembly style. So you can make a batch for you. You can make one for them. You can make it for pretty much everybody on your list. Most people really like chocolate. The also really great thing about a brownie mix in a jar is if somebody is gluten free, it brownies lend themselves very well to gluten free flours. Unlike breads, where you usually can't do a one for one. Um, and even sometimes with cakes, it's a little bit trickier on the texture. But the brownies work super well by just subbing in any gluten-free flour blend. So the ones I usually will use is either the Bob's Red Mill gluten-free blend. So it's already a blend of gluten-free flours that are in there. And then also the one from Costco, which is, I think you pronounce it Namaste. I might be saying it incorrectly, uh, but they have a gluten-free flour blend. My niece actually got married this summer and she had each of her aunts bring a dessert. They had a dessert bar. and she needed a gluten-free option for guests. And so she asked me to make the gluten-free brownies. And I have some gluten-free. We are not gluten-free exclusively in the house, but I have had to do enough recipe testing and development for doing adapting things for gluten-free. And at different times, I've done some different food tests and stuff where I have been gluten-free for a period of time uh, just to see how, how things went from different areas in my uh, journey of food. Um, so anyways, she asked me if I could make the gluten-free brownies. And so I used that blend from Costco and didn't really have to adapt anything else. And it works very well. So if you need to have a gluten-free gift or you are gluten-free, you can make these brownie recipes with the gluten-free flour blend one for one. And it turns out really well too. That's one of my favorite ones to give because it also it just the presentation of a mason jar is super cute. That's why I have a t-shirt that says mason jar addict. And you can get one too if you want one. <laughs> I have them in sweatshirts and t-shirts. So you can grab those. Some other really fun gifts, food jars or Food mixes in a jar that I like to give is also the artisan no need bread recipe. So that recipe, you can do a smaller version of where you have all the dry ingredients in a mason jar and then they can mix that up. It's a no need bread recipe. So it's really easy for people who don't want to need or maybe they, you know, I know as people get older, if they don't have a kneading machine, so either a bread machine or maybe a KitchenAid mixer or a Bosch that will do the kneading for them can be really hard for them to do recipes that require quite a bit of kneading just because of the hand and the wrist strength or if they have any injuries. So the no need bread, again, is a really great option for a beginner baker or somebody who doesn't have the time or the know-how or doesn't want to deal with the kneading aspect. And so you can make it up ahead of time in the jar. And it's super easy to make jars look very cute and festive. I think they're just really fun. And you could even pair them together. So you could do the do-it-yourself, no-need artisan bread, mix in with a brownie mix. And that's a lot of fun. 
Oftentimes, that's when I like to pair those with like a really cute kitchen tea towel or maybe a Danish dough whisk. Yes, those of you who listened to episode 281, Homestead Gift Giving Guide, are very familiar with my Danish dough whisk love. Um, but those can be really great little items to pair with those. Now, there's a couple of other food items that I like to give, and that is going to be pulling out those homemade preserves. So my two younger brothers love pickled asparagus. So I always make extra jars of pickled asparagus in the springtime because I know that they love them. In fact, what I have to do normally is give them one jar that they open on Christmas morning. So like under the tree with their gift, they get a jar of pickled asparagus, but they will open them and eat them all Christmas morning. I'm talking like they'll eat almost the entire quart jar of pickled asparagus, you guys their Christmas present, like before they've even left my house. So usually what I do is I'll give them one jar that they can like snack on at the house. And then I give them another jar to actually take with them as they're leaving. Like I hide it until they get ready to go out the door so that they actually have a jar that they're enjoying, not at the house. Of course, it's really fun if you're doing the artisan no need bread. If you made up any homemade jams or jellies or fruit butters, then you can pair that with a jar of the homemade jam or jelly that they can then put on that fresh baked bread Oh, with homemade jam or jelly. It is so delicious. So I like to give out items like that. Now, another fun one is I have got a post that has how you make up yourself do it ahead. Homemade mixes. Yes, we're like totally on a roll here with the homemade mixes, but pancake mix is one of them. So you can make up your own homemade pancake mix ahead of time. And this is really fun because I actually really love to do a thin um, pancake. I think, what are these called? Are they called Swedish pancakes? Where you almost make like a crepe, like a very, very thin pancake batter. So you thin it really thin when you're frying it and then you put it on the plate and then you take your fruit butter or your jam or your jelly and you smear it on there and then you roll it up which is why you do it thin so you can roll it up like in a log and then sprinkle powdered sugar on top of it oh so good so that's one thing that you can do but I also just like to use regular jam jelly fruit butter on my pancakes instead of syrup so I'll do that too so that can be really fun to pair with the homemade pancake mix in a jar or if you did fruit syrup, we have a lot of blueberries and I like blueberry syrup. So I will make a can of blueberry syrup. So that can be another really great thing to gift is to give the blueberry syrup, obviously with some homemade pancake mix, just super delicious. So I hope that you guys have enjoyed this. Those, these are some of my favorite foodie gifts to give and to make. And of course, for homemade jams and jellies, one of our favorites is going to be the low sugar, no store-bought pectin strawberry jam recipe. So we'll have links to that. I've got several. I've got a blueberry lime that is like, I know I'm going to sound so silly here, but it's like sublime. I kid you not. Blueberry with just a hint of lime. Oh, it is so good. So I have all of those recipes up on the website. They will be included for you in the show notes, moleskinoris.com forward slash 284. So I hope that this gave you some great ideas. These are gifts that can be made up really quickly. A lot of them can be done, especially these do-it-yourself mixes, which is items you've already got on hand, basic pantry staples you can whip together to make up some really fun gifts for people. And even like the lotion bars, aside from the beeswax, most of us have olive oil and coconut oil and some of these different things. So you only have to purchase a few extra ingredients to be able to make them. Um, and you'll have a lot of the stuff on hand. So I hope you enjoyed this and I will be back here with you next week where we will be talking about an episode number 285, 
talking about navigating the holidays during this lovely, which is a lovely time of year. But this year, with the pandemic still going on, and depending on where you live and what phase you're in, on what you're able or not able to do as to what looks like a normal holiday, and even how many people you're supposed to be gathering with, all of those different things, we're going to be talking about some of the things that I have been doing to help cope and to still make it a really enjoyable holiday. So if you're dealing with that and or family members who feel differently than you do about certain things, especially it feels like political and COVID has kind of heightened all of that. I think you'll really look forward and get some great tips from next week's episode. But before I go, the verse of the week. Now, for many of you, this will be a very familiar verse. If you went to Sunday school as a child or like we used to have uh, different uh, vacation Bible schools, this is probably one of the foundational verses and probably one of the first verses if you did memory verses or memorization of scripture that you probably every did. But it is still one of my favorites. And that is John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And I'm actually not sure what translation that is because I memorized it so long ago, that exact translation as a child that I don't even know if it was King James or if it was NIV Probably one of those two. I think those were the, the two different uh, translations of the Bible that my mom had when I was little and growing up. But I wanted to share that because we're talking about gifts and there truly is no greater gift than the gift of love that God gave us his only son so that we wouldn't perish. All we have to do is call on the name of Jesus, confess our sins, say that we believe he is our savior and have eternal life. I really can't think of a better gift or a more fitting verse. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. And as I said, I'll be right back here with you next week. So blessings and mason jars for now. Mm